0: Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit the woman behind the smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making is keeping us hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning everybody. It's Thanksgiving in the United States and we were so, I am so excited. My guest today was Confidence Staveley from Nigeria and it's interesting. We are going to be flexible today because I'm not connecting with Nigeria. But I've got some great people on the line and I've got Dr. Tim from the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams and Tim and I were introduced to Confidence. Uh, as her nonprofit we've partnered with her nonprofit and so Tim and I will be talking about a few things if and as we wait for confidence to come in we're sure hoping that she will come in but I want to go back in time because this is my stand-up and speak-up show and this all my show started because of an experience I had with an online dating relationship that went really sour and turned into a huge financial swindle of fraud And I was looking back at when this started, and it was 10 years ago today, Thanksgiving Day 2010, that my Eric and I really had a long discussion for the whole day. And thinking that he was from Britain, I was describing an American Thanksgiving to him from the turkey to my grandmother's cinnamon pie to the rolls the vegetables everything we did and how my father was out getting ready for you know getting my christmas decorations down my mom was in helping me baste the turkey it was the most extraordinary day for me and 10 years later i can still feel the feelings of excitement about starting to reach out to another person again it was an amazing experience. Obviously, I still, I still can feel it. And that was a good feeling that I had, all those endorphins that hit back then, and that being a little bit scared because it was the first time I jumped in after my husband had passed away. And it was relatively soon. Lou died in April, and this was in November that Eric and I had this all-day-long conversation. And when I say conversation, we were writing to each other on Yahoo! Chat but it was really amazing. And now I look back at what was written through the eyes of someone that's been working with scam victims for many years, and I'm looking at the wording that he had in his in our discussion, and I'm thinking, could I, with without wearing the rose-colored glasses of falling in love again, could I have seen the warning signs even back then, the word choice and, and whatever, and I mentioned that to Dr. Tim a few minutes ago, and Tim goes, let's talk about that. So, Tim, I'm going to bring you on. a Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us. Um,
1: happy let's Thanksgiving. Let's just have a
0: discussion. You know, I don't know if Confidence is going to come on. We're going to talk about what she does uh, in the event that she does not come on because we'll have her right. again. She's a fabulous woman. But, Tim, give me your feelings about, you know, the, what the things I just said about meeting Eric and, and looking back and the feelings that I had back then versus the feelings that we have now.
1: Certainly. Um, but before I begin, I want to give a, a special uh, uh, sort of welcome back to Vianney Gonzalez, who is one of our SCARS board members. She's been uh, on death's door for the last week. She's been in an induced coma as a result of her second case of COVID. And she just came off the respirator uh, 24 hours ago and is beginning to um, to talk again. So We're very pleased to have her uh, joining us again, uh, and and we wish her a speedy recovery, long though that may be. Anyway, with regard to your situation, so hindsight is 2020, right? And and I think this year is going to change that phrase forever because 2020 hindsight is Hmm. as much a disaster as whatever it was that we think that we saw. The reality is, A, you can't look backwards and glean any particular wisdom from it because the reality is all you're going to do is end up beating yourself up. And that's pointless. You were not at fault. You were manipulated expertly. And the reality is you probably could not have done anything differently. So it... it, it's important to understand the signs looking forward but no you couldn't have done anything different if you had the ability to do that you would have done it so the reality is what happened happened because that was the way the set of circumstances were created at that point in time and we had a we had an individual on our on our support group yesterday um, someone who's been struggling to recover for several, several years. And it's this simple concept that you can't blame yourself or look for fault in what you did because you did what the circumstances allowed you to do. It's not your fault.
0: And I'm, yeah, I'm not, I don't blame myself anymore. Obviously, I, I did beat myself up pretty bad at the very beginning and I think most of, most people that have been taken by anybody feel like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I was interviewed the other day by Chris Parker on his podcast Easy Pray, which is coming out on February 3rd, right before Valentine's Day. And uh, Chris and I were talking about it, and he said, well, you know, what what were the 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 flags for you? And I'm like, you know what? There weren't any flags for me back then because I I wasn't expecting to I wasn't expecting fraud in an online dating situation. Uh, and I still, when I, when I get people writing to me, even today, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we are not getting the word out there because there are flags. And, and as far as my first conversations with Eric, um, I noticed that he had said something funny. And I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but when he was telling me what his name was, he goes, you can call me Eric Cole. And I always thought that was a funny way of him saying, well, my name is So I I said something about that and then he wrote back to me and he said something interesting about how most women wouldn't have noticed that and he called it franca lingua. And I remember having to look up that term and it basically meant understanding a different language or spoken in a different language. So that's when I knew he was, I thought, European. You know? (laughs) that He had said something a little bit different and from that point on, I might have overlooked some of the the little quirky things that he said or wrote thinking that he was from a different country. And it made sense
1: that
0: he would write something differently than I do. I have friends from the UK. They write a little bit differently. They speak a little differently. And and so it became, for me, the
1: norm, which is odd. But unfortunately, that was a psychological condition called confirmation bias. You heard what you were predisposed to believe. So once he set up the initial set of conditions, then what tends to happen is everything that you hear tends to fall into that preconception. Now, manipulation is necessary because Unfortunately, scammers are not perfect, so they will go off the rails from time to time, and that's where they need to use other manipulative techniques to hold you in line over the course of the scam. It's not simply that someone is being stupid and not looking. To the contrary, you may have stepped in, in other words, opened the door, and then a whole variety of situations from stranger trust to confirmation bias etc take place but then they're also doing manipulation like amygdala hijacks to to basically drop emotional hormone bombs on you at key moments to get you over those red flags think of it kind of like a you know a a hurdle race where every time that they think they've they've screwed up or made a mistake they're going to drop a a a hormone release bomb, an amygdala hijack on you to flood your brain with, with hormones so that you won't think analytically about what you just heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's, it's then, definitely a hormone Then the rush.
1: gaslighting will begin.
0: Yeah, and, which is interesting now, uh, 10 years later, the way they've been able to move into social media via videos and things. So people are convinced that they're seeing the scammer because they've seen his picture, they've seen a video of him. And in this world of watching Netflix and binging on Netflix and, and the things that we're doing because of the pandemic, I was asked about this the other day. And if you think about the shows you're watching, at least the shows my husband and I are watching, many of them are done in Denmark and Iceland and in Spain. And they're dubbed in English. And so while you're watching, you're not even paying attention really that the actors are speaking in their native language but we're hearing English. Fast forward into the world of scam, same thing's happening. We're seeing the guy or the girl, we're hearing the words, and we're hearing what we want to hear. We are not necessarily hearing whats what they're saying.
1: Right? Right. And, and there always are small set-up excuses that they will present. Again, confirmation bias. They're yep. setting up your preconception of what you're going to be expecting to see, hear, and accept. My microphone is not working, so you're seeing somebody who's talking. You can't hear what they say, but you're seeing text, and you're seeing them type. Um, Also, deep fakes are becoming a bigger issue. Something everybody has to remember, especially now with the events of this week, is it's really been brought home that the scammers are vastly larger than the gross domestic products of some countries. In fact, global scamming is the third largest nation in the world behind the United States and, and the People's Republic of China. It's bigger than Germany in terms of the overall amount of money involved, more than $3 trillion this year.
0: And it's a matter of numbers. I was listening to one of Confidence's videos this morning. She was doing one on, on elder abuse and elder scamming, and they were talking about phishing and, and some of the email thing, or the, the — sim, sim what they call it smishing now, SMSing. Um, yes. And if you think of I get them on my phone all the time, it's those you know, not-requested little things that are coming on, he said, But one of the scammers that they had talked to had sent out in one day, 630,000 emails. They just need a couple to have people respond back to a couple of them. And they're in Telemarketing,
1: Telemarketing 101. You only need 1.5% to be profitable.
0: Exactly. And they're sending out millions of these things all the time. I mean, I get dozens on my phone and I just put a robo scanner or something on my phone to try to get rid of some of them. Um, It doesn't always work, but it does keep some of them out. But, they're just, it's, not, it's a matter of numbers. And that's what, what she was saying in, in this platform was that you just got to be careful. And there are certain telltales t- tell that, you know, when they, especially in the online dating realm where they say, um, they call you pet names or they'll make up a pet name or they'll call you honey or deer, they never use your name because they don't have to remember it. And they can exactly. be working multiple people at one time and be saying basically the same thing, just change the situation. Let me address one
1: thing that you said, Debbie, that's actually a fallacy. Okay. You you can't be careful. It's not possible. So the fallacy that people make about avoidance is that you can be careful. You can think your way through this. You can't. The reality is these scams are going to work regardless of your intention. The only way to be safe is to not play. Yeah, It's like Star Trek and the old Kobayashi Maru. The only way to win the game is not to play. So you have to change your behaviors so that you're not confronting your, these these calls or these scammers. There's a thing called a predictive dialer in the world of telemarketing, which is that it analyzes the calls that are being placed as they're doing it and figuring out when the average best times are to call people So, the reality is the scammers have more money than any law enforcement agency on the planet. More money than the FBI. Mm. And that's a staggering thought. So, the only defense is not being careful. The only defense is simply learn avoidance strategies and behaviors.
0: So, we're not telling people to not participate in online dating or not play games with friends. It's watch who you're doing it with, or, or what, what are the steps then? What, how do we protect our heart from ruling our head?
1: So the, the simple realities are, let's, let's talk about online dating for a minute, because that's something near and dear to me, because I've been involved in it since the beginning of the web. The, the reality is you have to assume, again, this is a behavioral thing. You have to assume everybody is fake until verified. Trust no one, trust nothing until it's verified. How do you verify somebody on a dating website? It's very simple, and I'm sorry to say it's contrary to intuition and about safe dating. You don't want to expose yourself to the sociopath that you know maybe the serial killer on on the dating website. But yet you have to find a means of providing verification. So that you know that you're talking to the real person. So every person who wants to participate in online dating has to be prepared to show their truth. And if you're not prepared to do that, then you shouldn't be doing it, pure and simple. So, how are you going to do that?
0: uh, How are you going to do that? You're going to run a background check on them, or are you going to, how do you verify? I I mean, I did a lot of verification. What's that?
1: That's exactly what is necessary. If you you find somebody and you find that there is an attraction, then unfortunately you're going to have to go to one of these background check websites and confirm that they're a real person. You can begin by listening to the language clues that they give you. You start off with the assumption that they are a scammer until they prove themselves innocent. Guilty until proven innocent is the way you have to operate online. So the reality is we do this to a certain extent in business. Someone approaches you with a fantastical offer, you're going to verify who it is that you're talking to and whether or not they have the bona fides to be able to pull off what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Individuals have to do that as well. Every parent, ironically, knows how to do this. If your daughter walks in the door with a guy with, you know, with spikes through his nose and studs embedded in his forehead, you're going to verify the heck out of whoever that is. I can remember standing at the front door with a bullwhip when my daughter came home with a date, mostly just to impress him, but not actually used. Um, I'm an archaeologist, so all archaeologists have bull whips. Anyway, <laughs> but the idea being that every parent knows how to adopt that posture of trust no one when it comes to their children. Hmm. Why would you change your posture when it comes to yourself?
0: Because we trust. We're at that exactly. age with where- and that was interesting listening to one of Confidences and I think she's going to try to come on. I just got a message from her. Uh, one of their things about the elders is that that age group and it's funny because I think these are 20 and 30 somethings. They're considering us the elderly, right? We're the seniors. Right. Uh, we're of that age group that we do trust. We, and there, the fellow she was interviewing said that that younger age group, they don't trust anybody. They check out everybody, which that might be an overstatement, but probably uh, more so than we do.
1: No, actually, it's the exact opposite. Really? The problem, the problem with millennials and teens is they have this perception that they're tech savvy. They know everything about the Internet. They know all about the scams, <laughs> et cetera. And yet, ironically... They are scammed at a rate – I was telling this to uh, someone on an interview uh, just literally yesterday. When you look at the demographics, the, the demographics of scam victims is an upside-down bell curve. So at the one extreme, you have elderly. At the other extreme, you have teens, tweens, and, and millennials. So, but there's a fundamental difference. In the elderly category, the average is the person will be scammed 3.4 times – with an average financial loss of about $14,000, even though Mm -hmm. government estimates are of $100,000 per romance scam victim. But millennials, on the other hand, are scammed an average of 10 times a year. Their scams are smaller. They're buying fake products. They're listening to fake influencers. They're, They're running off the deep end when it comes to fads and other things. So the kinds of scams are different. But fundamentally, it's all the same socially engineered deception. Mm -hmm. So ironically, millennials are scammed at a rate that is many times that of people who are older. But what we hear about are the individuals who are scammed for large quantities of monies. What we don't hear about are the millennials who are scammed for $100 here, $100 there, $50 here. In aggregate, they're losing just as much money.
0: Okay, so we're going to try to get her in because I really do want to have her come in. I find it very interesting to be connecting with a young woman in Nigeria.
1: Let, let's do a little. Let's do a little preface. Uh, preface yeah. here. Um, Confidence's organization is a nonprofit based in Nigeria that addresses the victims inside of Nigeria. Scammers scam. Nigerians just the way they scam the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Predominantly, it's not so much the corporate-level scammers that many of us are encountering, but nevertheless, there is a subset of their population, like in any country of the world, that engages in criminal behavior, and scamming is one of the easiest ways to be a criminal because Mm -hmm. it's nonviolent. You can stand off at a distance. You can hide behind the screen, and unfortunately less sophisticated, by sophisticated I mean less aware individuals in the population are just coming into technology. They're getting their first phones or or smartphones, etc. and they're exposed to this jubilant, joyous, incredible technology that connects them to the world and are as vulnerable as everybody else elsewhere in the world. We're very careful to screen to make sure that we're dealing with credible honest people and confidence in her organization are a world renowned uh, organization, and we 're so pleased to be bringing them in as a partner to scars
0: well it's wonderful, and as a victim of of a scammer of a scam perpetrated by a young Nigerian man, I always wondered how the women of Nigeria felt about their brothers', sons, whatever. Uh, engaging in this and confidence has a story and I I really hope she can come in I believe her mother had been scammed and I think that was the impetus to her starting this action group because it's a group of young adults in Nigeria that are going after digital fraud in many ways in their country and I find it wonderful that they're doing it in such a great way and engaging fun you know they're doing it through fun videos and through a lot of discussion so as an adjunct, you know, nonprofit to our SCARS nonprofit, going worldwide with them is phenomenal. And, uh,
1: exactly, and, and of course, SCARS is a worldwide organization, and we and we just uh, began our sky, excuse me, SCARS Thailand um, entity literally yesterday as well. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that people forget is Nigeria is actually a very large country, over 100 million population. Uh, I believe it's the largest population in in Africa, uh, possibly just short of uh, South Africa or possibly just larger. So the reality is, and and another misconception a lot of people have about about scamming specifically, is make no mistake, women are involved in scamming also. Mm -hmm. For every team that's out there there are women involved. They've learned to involve girlfriends, wives, mothers, daughters um, in these gangs so that they have that unique female perspective when they're scamming, whether it's men or women. So the reality is that this is not what it used to be, which was exclusively the domain of, of, of male scammers. It's become very diversified, and women are... Let me just say, better at scamming than men are, and that's not being sexist. It's being the reality of women are more empathic than men are, and that that can be exploited if they're predisposed to exploit it.
0: Well, and it's interesting. I was thinking about my scam, and uh, in the group, I, I I was talking to Eric Eric's sister. And his son, and there were times when uh, after the fact when I was thinking, was there really a woman involved in that? Because I would ask Mary all these questions about Eric to get you know good intel on him and uh that 's when I realized too that obviously after the fact it wasn 't just him it was it was a group that was doing it, and how did, how in the world did they remember everything that was said? I kept a journal um, i mean i that, <laughs>
1: they use salesforce.com huh they use they use crms they use salesforce.com or or act or other crms they're actually specific um uh, remember scammers have money so they're actually developing complete office suites specifically for scamming and selling them on the dark web
0: well that's just irritating <laughs> <You know? laughs> But that's what we—that's what we learned too when we when we interviewed um, Brett Johnson. Brett was saying they work in these groups. It's not just an individual guy sitting at a cafe. There are whole, you know, conference rooms full of these people on the phone night long. And I think we might have just gotten her in. Let's see here. Let's see. Confidence. Is that you?
2: Yes, it's me. Yes. Good afternoon, my time and happy Thanksgiving.
0: Thank you, we, Dr. Tim's on the line with me. We're so happy that you are with us. We just kind of did an introduction of what Cyber um, Cyber Safe Foundation is about, and, and mm-hmm. I want to thank you for being here. So much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, we were Welcome just. Welcome, talk- Sorry, Tim. Hi, Go ahead.
2: Tim. <laughs> Hi Tim.
1: Hi.
0: I'm glad you're here, honey. And I, I don't mean to be talking over you. With you or talking over <laughs> you, but. We, what we want to do is jump right in. Uh, we were just explaining to people our relationship with you and with CyberSafe and, and the foundation, but I want to hear your story. I want to hear what happened to, to why you got into this. What was the, the what, <laughs> basically, why did you start the foundation? What happened in your family that got you to start this foundation?
2: Okay, so um, my mother is actually the reason I started this foundation. Her experience in the hands of cameras actually was the reason I started this foundation. I, I, before that time, I, of course, was a cybersecurity professional, and but well, I didn't exactly sort of um, prioritize cybersecurity awareness and... The issues around it in my family, I, it was just more work for me than than um, more day-to-day work than um, you know, sort of teaching people preventive measures and helping people see the signs and sort of protect themselves to avoid falling for scams or any other um, cyber crime activity out there. So um, it hit home when my mother received this call and it was a scammer and. The long and short of it is that she almost lost her life saving. And I mean, I don't know, you know, what it is like in America, but in Nigeria, my, just to give you a perspective, my mom is um, 72 years old right now. So, um, she's a very savvy 72 year old. Um, and then, you know, this, this money she's sort of kept together all her life. And these people were going to clear it all out. So um, we got a bit lucky with, with handling um, her incidents post, post when we found out it was a scam and then she was losing money. Um, but then it, it sort of hit home that there, there are a lot of people who will be going through the anxiety, the pain, um, the sense of, you know, almost feeling stupid because you've gone through something like this. When indeed you're not stupid. Uh, these people are criminals and they should be apprehended, you know, and so all of that um, in some cases having to do with financial loss is huge, and so uh, what I tried to do was make sure that a lot less people get to experience what my mom experienced by, by you know, teaching them before they get in contact with the scammers, um, giving them the knowledge that it's required to defend themselves and to detect that this is actually fraud, this is someone trying to for me, this is someone trying to gain access, uh, unauthorized access to me, you know, all of these kind of things is what I set out to do with the foundation. And so I call this Cyber Safe Foundation because I wanted people to be safer on the internet while leveraging the power of the internet. And I wanted less and less people to experience my mom experience. And really, in, 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 in short, that's like the whole story.
0: Well, your mom is involved in the foundation, isn't she? I th- I think I saw her picture on the foundation yes, website.
2: she just had to be. She's a trustee. Um, um, uh, she, she helps us with, for example, the paper. She has she a name background, um, so she helps us with the secretariat. So, but um, well, she's also there, I think, as a reminder of our why. I mean, when you start this journey um, of doing this work, cybersecurity is quite huge and vast. I mean, very quickly, some people can lose that, that tangent, that that why why did I start this? I, 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 you know, I just wanted her to be that constant reminder. You know, that this is the reason you started. You want a lot less people to. In fact, you want you want this to become a kind that is no longer actually beneficial. You know, so that's one of the core reasons why she's on my board.
0: Well, I'm really glad to see that because I feel when I get interviewed here and talk about online dating or Facebook or the play, you know the big corporations that are actually there's a lot of scammers in them, I always come back to if Mark Zuckerberg or Mandy Ginsburg or some one of those top people if their mother had been scammed or if their sister had been scammed, there'd be a whole different dialogue.
2: You hear some things and they're far away, you know. You're like, oh, uh-oh. And you just go, uh-oh. But when it hits home, I think it just makes you, it makes you, it makes you a little I mean, it, it does, it, 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 um, it it's different. That's basically what I would say. And I think a lot more people um, need to, we need to find a way to communicate this feeling with people who haven't experienced it. Because again, we don't want more people experiencing this anyway. So what we need to have, people, we need to have maybe a way where we explain why this is so important and why big corporations need to put um, support and financial backing to organizations doing this work because it's quite enormous. It's a huge um, amount of work we're doing across different parts of the world. Um, and then if we're able to have the support and backing that we require to spread the information we need to spread, um, we, we'll, we'll slowly and steadily put these people out of business. And I think that's exactly what we need to we need to do because they call it business that's exactly what they're
0: talking about it is huge it is just and people don't realize that but we need to make it more personal and i think people think that it's not going to happen to them but what if it were to happen to their mom
2: you know? Yeah. I know that feeling. Uh, that you know, it, it not gonna happen to me. I I I, th- I think in Nigeria it's very, very strong. I mean what you just said. Um, because people feel maybe some people feel they're too small, maybe their businesses are too small to be attacked. Um, they don't have so much money, like for individuals now. Oh, I don't have so much money, I'm not prominent, you know, nobody knows me, so I won't be attacked. But, you know, and I think it applies also in America and other parts of the world. And um, you always feel, oh, you, you won't be. But you always feel that way until you're in that place or someone close to home is. And we don't want to wait till that happens. We want to make sure that a lot more people know that these are the things that are happening and know how to protect themselves. And just um, back on what you, just piggybacking on what you said, um, currently cybercrime, you know, is a bigger industry in crime than drugs. It's currently bigger than drugs. I I, I, um, uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that the last time I looked at the stats, you know, um, the valuation of the drug uh, market. And uh, when I mean the drug, I mean um, I mean um, a harmful drugs. You know, the right. the value um, cybercrime here is, is bigger is bigger than it. So that means it's becoming more and more desirable every day for people to go into it, and it's a parallel economy we need to shut down.
0: Well, and it's something, too, that you know, from a personal point of view, um, I always wondered, you know, how do the mothers and the sisters in Nigeria feel about what the young men are doing? Now, it, it's, that's happening everywhere in the world. In my particular case, though, it was a young man from Nigeria, and I just kept saying, where's your mother? What did your mother teach you? You know, what, what is it that it flips these young men into doing, well, young men and women, um, that puts them into that area that they feel like they have to be scamming is it economic is it what Explain to me maybe
2: okay so it's, it's quite complicated um, and I'll take it from two major pillars one is economic angle to it but then that doesn't excuse it because the world is becoming a global uh, marketplace and if you don't if you have just a skill if you have if you can afford a mobile phone I mean you can put yourself on the global marketplace and you can compete with other people provide services you know, and so economics is not exactly for some people, it can be an excuse, but as far as I'm concerned, it's an alibi because where I'm very sure it's an alibi and it's not a worthy excuse is because when, when they have some success in fraud, maybe they have one success in fraud, if it was a bad economics, maybe they would take that money, pull out, and establish a business or establish something to continue any money from. But that's not the case, they continue on, so it's not the economics. I would argue it's not economics. Yes, there is a high rate of unemployment in Nigeria. There is high rate of poverty. But poverty is not a reason to steal because this is stealing. It is very, very um it is very, very um will I say bested. It is stealing before we give it any other name. You know. And 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 then on the second pillar I was going to discuss, it's also on um the moral fabric that Nigeria is really, really worn out. I mean, people um, celebrate wealth, people celebrate many things without necessarily questioning where they're coming from. I mean, I I know looking back at my family, honestly, if I came back home um, when I was 22 with a message band, I mean, my mom would put it on fire. I'm not even kidding you if I can't answer where I got the money from. Because it's just something that no job I do can possibly give me a message band given the economic realities in Nigeria at age 22. You understand what I mean? So what we see in Nigeria, that increasingly um, people are more blinded by the wealth, the money thrown around that they can't, they're can't—they not rationalized. In fact, they're not even open to rationalizing. They are beginning to see fraud as a source of income. And so people mm-hmm. won't exactly question. Who, so people will know for sure this person is doing this because this guy wakes up in the morning, he goes nowhere. He's able to live in some highbrow area. How is he able to do that? When people who live in those areas work uh, work so hard at different businesses, they to, to afford the lifestyle they have. So you know that without, uh, without an ounce of doubt, this person could be doing this. But I bet you, just like politics in Nigeria, where you know people are embezzling money, and people are still fine with giving them control seats in church and at the mosque, I bet you that's about the same thing with fraud. Um, and I think um, back in the day, Microsoft had began this campaign where um, they tried they to disabuse you know, fraud and you know, how bad it is. But we need more of those campaigns coming back. People need to know that real people are hurt in this whole process. Real people are losing things in this whole process. Real people can lose their lives because they do not make it out of the mental um, issues that come with these kind of um, attacks, I mean, um, they are changing the the reputation of a whole country, Um, young people, other young people doing legitimate things to earn an income, you know, their chances of getting opportunities globally are being continuously diminished by the day because of a couple of people doing horrible things. So I think that big picture thinking isn't there for the people who are involved in this. there's also the moral fabric issue um, that, you know, the excuse of the economics and the uh, uh, and poverty level in Nigeria is sort of aiding, um, aiding and abetting this crime.
0: Well, I, I really give you so much credit for doing it from the inside out because we look at it from, from America saying, okay, so how can, we, how can we stop this? And for us, it would be economic you know sanctions or something against Nigeria, but that would affect the whole country. It would affect good people you know like you that are trying to do things for good and that's not the point but when when I tell someone that my scammer was from Nigeria, they've all of a sudden that whole huge country has become a scammer country, and we forget exactly. about we you know it'd be like you guys call you know I had scammers that would would i've heard that they would talk about every American has you know lots and lots of money. Well, that's not true either, so there are these big generalities but i I think that you you're on the right track as far as you've got to start from there and they,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know I think the scammers I hear about obviously seem young, they're your ages, and so mm-hmm. for you guys to to go against them yourselves, is that dangerous for you? I mean, I give you so much credit for trying. Is it dangerous for you, or are you at a level now that you get? you know, noticed by the government in a very positive way.
2: Yeah, it is dangerous. Um, I mean, personally, I've had to, uh, I mean, we're saying this in our own private conversations. I've had to take uh, steps to make my the people in my life a lot more private than I used to um, keep them a while ago. Um, because for me, this is worth doing. The risk involved, and I don't want anyone else to be to be hit, you know, by anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've taken the steps to protect my family. Um, but far above that, I I also know that some people will need to pay, uh, will need to be bold enough to to lead Nigeria out of this. And and I believe I don't know about your faith. Um, and your religious um you know your li- religious inclination, but I strongly believe that I was raised for a time like this and so every time I think about that um it gives me the bonus to look at what 's possible what I can achieve for my country and for people like me who who don 't like what the other guys are doing um as against putting my my you know putting uh, my emphasis on the risks that are there as I chase this as I chase these goals I have. So for me, that's sort of been a balance um, to say, okay, what I'm looking to achieve, um, what I'm chasing is a lot bigger than myself and maybe I was born for this. So that sense of purpose, that sense, that sense of, um, of um, something bigger than me just keeps me somewhat um, balanced between the risk of what I'm doing, protecting the people in my life and what's dear to my heart and getting the work done.
0: Well, that's, that's very honorable, and that is so true. It is, it is a, a purpose that is beyond us, and, uh, and it's so important. How do you feel? I mean, a lot of folks that, uh, that I've talked to over here that have been scammed are afraid of, you know, are they going to come get me? Are they going to come get me? Can you let them know that the, the everyday scammer over there is not going to jump on an airplane and fly to America and come after our victims? right? Are they basically cowards that would stay over there? or What's your interpretation of these the types of people that are scamming?
2: Okay, so to be very, very clear, the the, the cameras in Nigeria, about 98 or 99% of them are financially motivated. So all they're really interested in is to take your money. I mean, the, the, the issues we see around cybercrime in Nigeria and out of it, from Nigeria and 99% financially motivated so all they're interested in is not hurting you is actually taking your money um, so if you're able to plug that like you're able to stop that leakage they're done they're on to the next person uh, and I think this is the reason why they find people that are seniors a lot a lot um, a lot more attractive to attack um, because again they're looking for the, the easy target to attack and get Quick results or quick turnover on their dirty work, um, and so that is why if it becomes difficult to get money out of you. if It suddenly becomes tough to do that because you've gotten um, you've gotten the knowledge to protect yourself, or you've gotten law enforcement into the into the situation. They will immediately leave you and run away, and that is the closure of that chapter. And they will literally move on to the next possible victim. So it's, it's I would say it's. It's personal for you as a victim, but it's not personal for them.
0: Right. Are you are you seeing law enforcement helping you? Could you see them stopping people? Do you see law no, enforcement actively arresting people?
2: Yes. Yeah, they're, they're beginning to do that a lot, but I, I, I think it could be more. It could be a whole lot better. Um, again, I confidence. This is
1: this is Dr. Tim. Um, okay. Could hi, you speak Jeff a little bit about hi? Could you speak a little bit about the the changes that you see taking place in Nigerian law enforcement? For example, the Nigerian National Police working with Interpol, and the changes mm-hmm. that have taken place in the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission.
2: Okay, so um, if we if we go back to say three years ago, um, we we can definitely tell that there are a lot more arrests going on at the moment. Um, and that collaboration is what's allowing for that those arrests to happen, that sharing of information between the Interpol and the Nigerian Police Force and the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, is what's helping more uh, more people to get arrested, more, pe- more people to be um, extradited, more people to be um, to face um, you know to face the law generally. We're seeing a whole more increase, and um, now that it's become a national issue. I mean, it's not just national issue from outward; it's also inward. Um, I, I, I'm beginning to see the police take a more proactive stance towards fighting cybercrime. However, they're still lacking seriously on intelligence gathering. I mean, um, that is one of the areas where police brutality became a thing in Nigeria, and then um, the protest, you know, that was across the world, you know, happened in Nigeria. I mean, I live in the major economic um, um, commercial capital of Nigeria, and this was where um, the biggest issues around police brutality happened. Now, that, the police at that point were beginning to check people's phones, randomly profile and check people's phones to find whether or not they're fraudsters. Um, again, that's the whole conversation altogether, but I'm going back to the fact that if we have more intelligence, if you have more of that intelligence gathering, dissemination and action done on a larger scale and quicker, we can have way more arrests because the number of arrests made is a drop in the ocean compared to the number of scammers we know exist related to the exactly. cybercrime we're experiencing.
1: I- yes. I- exactly. And, and, yes, we've seen a huge increase in the number of arrests by the EFCC and also by the Nigerian police. Unfortunately, the EFCC had a problem this year with management change. And have you seen that with the management change that took place earlier this year of of Director Magoo uh, stepping down, that uh, we've seen a, a greater focus on professionalism inside of the EFCC?
2: I mean, it's too early to judge or call that. Um, um, And I don't exactly feel that way, especially with all of what surrounded how his exit. Um, But I'll say for sure that, for example, the Nigerian police force is picking up. They recently, last I think last week, they launched a portal that allows for people to report cyber crimes that has never been in the history of the Nigerian police force. Um, And I think that was significant. to you know, to you know, addressing cyber crimes and the issues therein, um, but I can't call it yet for the EFCC um, about whether or not they've improved in um, in the way they carry out uh, how I perceive their um, their success with, with cyber crime.
0: Okay. Well, you, I'm I'm looking on your site. It's CyberSafeFoundation.org. And you've got some great YouTube videos out there. It looks like you're hosting something weekly. What are you doing to get your word out in Nigeria okay. and around the world?
2: Okay, great. So um, I started this YouTube series called Cyber Safe by Shisiner. Shisiner is my alter ego. Excuse. <laughs> <That's> cute. <laughs> so uh, it's the fun, more fun version of me. So I'm trying to do that because I, um, one of the issues we've had with cyber Security education. I have to do with awareness. Is because it's have the time to straight jacketed. Um, people don't find it relatable, so it's not actionable. Um, and so, what I've tried to do with my series is keep it really short and it, um, very, very educative. But take points, current points that I see, um, and then teach it to people in a relatable way, using stories. So when people hear stories, there, it, it, there, there's so many connecting points. I mean, you've listened to what happened to my mother, um, and you can connect with me on those grounds. And then so what I try to do with my message the time, the video, is tie a, a story to a cybersecurity best practice. And, I've gotten so much positive feedback. At the moment, we're, I'm trying to do some collaborations aclo- across the, uh, the country um, to sort of drive the message and propagate the videos across the um, board. Uh, we also got recently got some funding for ads. Uh, so we're using that at the moment to also drive and make sure more and more people see those videos um, we are creating or I'm creating um, you know, under the umbrella of the foundation, so more people can get. And I, I think that's really where we need, we need a lot more collaboration. I mean, Service Foundation is currently also collaborating with um, your esteemed organization, so more of those collaborations, more of the funding that allows us to spread the word both in cash and in kind. Um, what we receive sometimes is kind, and that helps us do our work very effectively. Um, so that's currently what we're doing.
0: Well, the videos are very cute. I'm looking at one here. It says five things you must immediately do when your phone is stolen, and that relate. I mean, that can relate to all of us. And and they're just cute. They're fast. But there's a serious tone to them. And uh, Tim and I are working with a gal the other day about this, doing similar things over here um, because people's attention span is so short. They need to have something quick and fun, but with an underlying very important message. So thanks for that. So that cybersafefoundation.org. And, um, you, so you know, we're, you're also partnering up with SCARS, and so we hope we can get our messages together to really spread,
1: spread the word.
0: Uh, Tim, any last uh, messages for our yes. friends? Uh,
1: com- com- confidence. I-, I have a Hi, personal Tim. question. Hi. Okay. I have a personal question. Do you find yourself the target of, of abuse online because you were in Nigeria that people – may not trust you we obviously trust you but what is your experience dealing with the outside world are people accepting or have people been putting you in the same basket with the scammers
2: yes they have and um and you know i've i've had this conversation before where i say you know i understand if the stereotype you know becomes this way i totally do um and I try to internalise it in the sense of, um, so there, there, there are many tribes in Nigeria, and we have many, so many tribes. If if my brother got married to a woman in another tribe, and he was treated horribly by that woman, the very high chances I will not let my other brother ever speak to. I don't mean be in a relationship with, but ever speak to any woman about a relationship in from the same tribe as that person who hurt my brother. Now, that does not mean that it's just one woman in the whole of that tribe. There so many people, there are millions of people that are also of the same tribe and are women, you know, of that other tribe that I've immediately made, um, I've already put into this mold. Um, and so because of that, I I, I, I emphasize, and I can sort of relate with people who put me in the same um, bucket as this process. So what I, what I have depended on over the years has been the reputation I have built. People who have come in contact with me, I, um, of course, we will definitely have one good thing or the other to say about me. And especially on social media. So on LinkedIn, for example, if, if you know me team, um, you'll most likely, you know, somebody will be, will be banking on, okay, um, you know, maybe I should ask him about confidence. If I'm being cautious about her, you know, so that's sort of like what I try to um, try to take so less in. But the realities are there that pe- some people won't give you opportunities because you're, you work in Nigeria or you live in Nigeria or you're Nigerian. The realities exactly. are there, and then yeah, and then sometimes when you find a way around it, you then be co- it, you can then uh, maybe find a way to wiggle your way out of it. But there are some times when you definitely be shut out.
0: Yes. We've got, you've got well, a really it, great background, though. You were educated outside of the country, and you've come back. That's the greatest thing is that you've gone back, and that you've, you're taking action on something that I felt is very, very
1: important. So, Tim, did you have something else? I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, if it makes you feel any better confidence, people hate us, too, because <laughs> the reality is anytime anyone stands up for what's right, There are going to be a million instant experts and wannabe pretenders and amateurs who will hate you. It's simply the nature of the world. We fight this fight constantly to help victims because there are also those who are not professionals. They don't know what they're talking about, but because they take a position – and it's not ours. We're automatically the bad guys. So it's just the nature of the beast. And and I congratulate you on having the the moral fortitude and the and the stamina to stand up and do the right thing.
2: Thank you so much, Tim.
1: Absolutely. And I want to add
0: my my thanks to you too, and for being part of our organization and for getting the word out. I, I give you so much credit for for standing up and speaking up against something that is just insidious and it affects each and every one of us in some way. And, uh, and thank you for spending some time with us, coming to us live from Nigeria. Uh, we had some technical hiccups, but I'm really grateful that you were able to connect. And we'll do this again sometime. So we're going we're gonna to finish up this show. Uh, do you have one last thing that you would like to tell the audience? Confidence?
2: You have risen above this. And um, just stay strong. Uh, the people who who think they've gotten away and maybe think they have won haven't you still have your life ahead of you um to to you know to grow and to rise and uh, and to just live your best life and they are the real losers really because what more can they do with money that's stolen um so just ensure that as you have survived you know a scam or something around that ensure that people in your community also um are protected and ensure that they don't become
0: victims also thank you so much that is that's what we're going to do we're going to get the word out and if we can help protect one person from being scammed or help one person recover then we've done the right thing and in the end it's all good so thank you confidence thank you dr tim thank you everybody for listening to stand up and speak up we are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self if you know anybody or if you yourself have been a victim to fraud and scam, report it to anyscam.com or ic3.gov. Please remember to go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, join my Facebook group, stand up and speak up for really good information and replays. And this episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com, a vitamin supplement that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or struggle with neuropathy, the pins and needles or numbness in your feet, check out our Benfotiumine products at benfocomplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for 5% discount on your purchase. I want to thank Dr. Tim McGinnis, the founder of SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, and Confidence Davely, who is the founder of Cyber... CyberSafeFoundation.org, and she's doing great work in Nigeria, and we look forward to working with her here in the United States. So thank you, Confidence. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Thank you for listeners. And here in the United States, have a happy Thanksgiving. We're grateful for all of you and for all that you're doing in our cause. Have a great day, everybody.